Nashville's commentary, technology, preparedness, and pop culture. From Nashville, Tennessee, the home of the moon pie. I'm Jess, the straight Christian conservative one. And I'm Chris, a gay Buddhist libertarian. We will explore today's issues with opposing viewpoints. And feature guests with incredible or unique stories. We may see things differently. But in the end, this is Still Still Love You, Bro. Well, there we go. How's it going, Chris? Hey, I'm good. Another episode. Our guests have no idea how many times we had to redo the uh, yeah. intro. <laughs> well, it was a record. I'd say one bung intro. We usually we usually do it pretty good, but um, no, I think we, that, that second one was much better. So it's just time to keep rolling with the show. I feel out of practice, man. Life gets crazy and we don't come in here often. I agree. Well, we have something a bit different. We've uh, kind of departed from the uh, guest with unique stories and and all that stuff today, and I'm kind of happy it's relieving to get back into that pattern of things. Uh, so, Chris, would you introduce our guest today? I am, but I want to start with uh, a quick news story that I found. Oh, um, yeah. So Elon Musk is having problems. Um, Starlink, you well, know, lost some satellites when they launched. I heard about that. There was a solar flare or something. Yeah, that knocked them down. They launched like 49, and 40 are falling or have fallen out of orbit. Oh, um, but what's interesting is I saw a news article pop up that um, said that there was an internet outage across a continent because some of the existing satellites went black and it shut out internets across one of the continents. But I could never find that story again a second time. And it wasn't related to apparently to the solar storm. So we're thinking maybe we had some debris that struck existing. I feel like that would have been in the bigger news if that was actually the case. I I thought so too. And I know what I read, but I've looked and looked over other news sources and I can't find it. Mm, Interesting. Well, hopefully it's not related to Russia or anything going on right now with Ukraine. It's it's crazy times. Um, The, you know, Russia and Ukrainian content uh, conflict is coming here in in Mm. a cyber war. And, um, We'll talk about that on, on, on another episode, but um, it, it, it could be serious. So it's something we need to think about. Absolutely. So let's let's dive in. Um, a Halloween episode we did a while back, we had a, a guest in the studio, Adam Ginsberg, uh, and we talked about the Macabre Film Festival. So we're actually going to welcome him back today, uh, along with his son and business partner, Addison, and we're going to talk about another venture that they've been involved in. So, Adam, Addison, how are you guys today? Very good. Thank you so much for having me back. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Yes. So, what? It's been about a month and a half, two months, really. No, Halloween. Well, gosh, when housing? This is October. Yeah. Yeah. This is what February. Is it's February. been four months. Golly, four months. That's how yeah. time. So, what's new with Macabre? Let's talk about that real quick. Um, well, we're already in swing for the 2022 event, which will also be happening over the first weekend of October, the last few days of September. Uh, again, it'll be a hundred horror films from all over the world. And, um, just as before, we'll have a number of panels and things like this. Our panels, by the way, are always just part of the ticket. It's free. Um, if there's a seat, you're welcome to, you know, pop in and, Enjoy. So we've had everything in the past from screenwriting to uh, voiceover to acting to, uh, you know, various parts of putting together projects, uh, makeup and so on, special effects makeup. Um, and that's what we do at the event. That and, of course, the films themselves. Um, hopefully this year we'll also see some uh, vendors coming back as well as our uh, food court, which we did this past year in the parking lot. We had, um, what was it, at five, five or six trucks rotating in and out? Yeah, throughout the weekend, we had about five different food trucks um, and different type of cuisines. It was a nice, balanced kind of mix for everybody. Right, and the uh, and the mobile bar was there, too, which was fantastic. Oh, yeah. That's a fan. I bet that was a hit. <laughs> fan favorite, right? <laughs> well, it was for me. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so... What's what's bigger and better this year? What's what, what can we expect? That's um... um well, some of the things that we're we're 
hoping to see uh, come to fruition are um, kind of elements of live theater um, combined in your overall experience. And, you know, if up, up north anyway, there were dinner theater shows, I remember, ages ago, where basically you would go and, for lack of a better, you could be in the restroom and the person next to you could be part of the show and you wouldn't even know it, you know? Um, And things would begin to play out around you or, and so on. So I have visions of, you know, people getting attacked and, you know, whatever, Mm. screaming in the midst of whatnot and turning and seeing a vampire character or somebody else, you know, like doing something. It was like, oh, oh, okay, this is part of it. But, you know, for us with Twitch Twitch Productions, it's always about the Twitch Twitch Productions experience. And that is all about, as much as possible, a sense of immersion in what we're doing. And so we're always uh, big and welcoming on the monsters coming out to the red carpet. In other words, what character do you want to be? What is it that you know you like to dress up of uh, as, a, or your fandom, or your cosplay, or whatnot? That type of stuff is always welcome at our events. And of course, because it's a horror film festival or sci-fi slash horror, but you know that's the type of things that we've seen in the past. You know, and we encourage that, and we actually do it ourselves at times during the event. So that's something. And we're also working this year on um, a couple of things for our Friday night. Uh, Last year, we did this kind of vaudeville type of show with our dead father character and uh, some entertaining aspects taking place on the stage. And this year, we're looking at potentially um, bringing in some music for Friday night instead and having it more of like a concert type atmosphere for Friday Mm. night. And then Saturday, uh, is our normally Saturday night is our award ceremony. And we're kind of figuring if, 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 you know, the skies are clear and things work out and, you know, we can find some talent that, you know, is really worthwhile, uh, and that we can afford maybe do that for Friday and Saturday night and move our awards ceremony to Sunday morning or something like that. Hmm. So right now the plan is for a, uh, a five-day event. We had it for four days last year, but I just want to keep expanding it. And also I want to make it more comfortable in terms of time between the films. And part of that reason is because... Um, Last year, working with 100 films over four days, one of the biggest challenges was how do you get 100 films on the screen in four days when you're working with one screen, right? So a lot of that was the experience was you are there for a film festival, right? Ad? So that meant that it was just about film, 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 you know, and there were very few breaks. It was pretty much like if you sat down, you were in the midst of a sea of, of movies all day. And there were other things happening throughout the building. So this time, uh, and especially due to COVID last year, um, it dampened the number of filmmakers that came out. And although at one point, how many were on the stage with us? It was actually really impressive. We um we had seventeen different filmmakers on the stage, the, uh, wow. the theater stage there for a Q and A. For a Q and A, we we were at each end of a of a row of chairs, and we basically played hot potato with the mic, hmm. uh, and a Q and A with the audience. And uh, that was only on one of the days. That, you know, every day had something different. But I remember seeing that and thinking to myself, you know what? It's such a shame because I had so many good conversations, email or otherwise, with filmmakers that said, you know, I'm I would love to be there, but. Either my country won't let me go or uh, or I just can't for whatever reason or I don't feel safe or someone in my family is sick. And so for that reason, I thought to myself, you know what, if we have to rapid fire the films, then so be it. However, this year, with um, it seems like we've kind of uh, made it to a safer point of view in most people's minds. 
we will have the extra day. And the idea here now is to show them in a little bit more of a comfortable fashion where filmmakers that are there can get on the stage potentially if they're comfortable with it and whatnot and take a, a you know two minutes or so to talk about their film or answer any quick questions. Uh, obviously, a feature may get a few more minutes in between than a, than a short and so on. But, you know, we're always about making the filmmakers the stars. That That's what it is. So that and just gives us another opportunity to do so. You know, as a viewer of a film, it would make a lot of sense to have those uh, those folks in between because mm -hmm. a lot of the questions I might have are going to be really fresh on my mind right after I watch that film. Absolutely. And so... You know, I, I think that will be beneficial to you if I had to wait the whole day. You know, maybe some of the questions go stale. I'm like, well, I maybe figure it out on my own head. But I want to know how the filmmaker feels about it, what oh, their original vision is. And mm -hmm. so. Especially having the opportunity to ask the filmmaker right yeah. then. And, and I, I did Sundance online um, not too long ago, and it was it was very much the same thing. Everything was so back-to-back -back online that you barely had enough time to get out. If you wanted to follow the, the entire experience, right. you had zero time. Even though it was online, um, you couldn't pause it. Uh, because you lose out on the next thing starting. And and it was very complicated and cumbersome online, but there was literally no time. You had to miss things to get up to use the restroom or right. the popcorn or anything. Right. So I love that idea of putting some space in between there. Yeah. In, in the past, we used to have more room because there wasn't a um, as much of a dedication to hitting a number of films. So we just kind of worked whatever we had to over the given time. Uh, now we kind of hit last year with coming into, um, Tennessee with the idea of a hundred films as, as a marketing point. And I, I like, it's a nice round number sort of thing. And it works for me in my head, you know, and, uh, I, it was very catchy in people. I kind of introduced the idea to, and it immediately, I mean, we talk about it in the CBD store all the time with customers and, um, they, they, they raise their eyebrow like a hundred movies in four days. How'd you do that? And then I break out this directory and I show them, well, some films are a minute, some, you know, mm -hmm. and they're like, wow, I can't wait to see, you know, next year. So we're going to stick with that. So sticking with that now requires working around that number. And after going through the first time, and I remember Ad had said, you know, our first year into this festival, you know, I had some big grandiose plans and he kind of said, you know what, let's learn the theater first. Let's, let's work out the theater. And that's what we did this go round. And so the next time around, now we're going to add some paint and some chrome and, you know, so on. Wow. So, and you, you just tied into actually, and we could talk the entire episode about macabre and, and that's Absolutely. not the point of this episode, but we certainly wanted to touch on that. But you mentioned a CBD company and that's actually why that, that we've got Adam and Addison in the studio today. Mm. We want to talk about CBD and there's a lot of stuff in the news lately. Um, so I thought this would be the perfect time. Um, right off the bat, just tell me what your business is and where you are. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, We'll start with the store itself. So the store is Green Trees Company, and we're located in Hendersonville, Tennessee. We're actually at the corner of uh, Center Point Road and Gallatin Pike or Main Street. Uh, we're in the same building as the old classic uh, Center Point Barbecue, and um, we're right on the corner there. And basically, we're a very unique, uh, comfortable, and educating uh, CBD store slash uh, eclectic collectible store. And... Um, we have three showrooms inside. The first showroom is kind of the main uh, area, which is all of your CBD uh, type products um, and various accessories. And then you make your way into showroom two and three, which have the uh, various collectibles, memorabilia. I mean, there's all sorts of, I'm into like cool figures and this art and it's a gallery. You can purchase off the wall art or prints and 
Uh, there's comic books, and <laughs> there's even some odds and end clothes here and there, but very much like unique things. I mean, we've got old VHS horror movies, and um, in the third room is our pillow room, and the pillows is the killer pillows. The killer pillows are... Um, it's an old uh, idea from my wife. Um, back in the day, we had a um, our events through Twitch Twitch, and we used to go out to these horror horror conventions. And it costs a lot of money to go to a horror convention just to tell people buy tickets to my event, right? right. So we wanted to enjoy ourselves, and we also wanted to you know make it cost effective. And so we would begin to go and just sell various things. And then years ago, it was it was theatrical colored contact lenses. And then <clears throat> eventually uh, she came up with the idea of putting various pieces of art on pillowcases of all things, like mm. square 20 by 20 mm -hmm. throw pillows. So uh, that actually hit pretty well, especially when you go into the right fishbowl. Well, uh, you know, when you're at a horror convention, you've got Michael Myers on pillows, you know, and, and various mm. other characters. So it worked very well. And uh, she did it for a number of years. And uh, she passed in 2020. But Ad and I have decided to carry on with a lot of the things that were going on with her and I, and one of them was the pillows. So we have the third room there, which is, uh, I think there's about 80 pillows on display, and there's various cases up on the wall. And then we've also got a lot of, again, for the horror, horror fan, we've got a lot of horror collectibles and memorabilia in that room. So that's basically what um, Green Tree's company is. It's kind of this, uh, you know, for lack of a better, it's an eclectic educating experience. And um, I like to say educating because that's what happens when you come through the door. Um, we're really big on what these products do, what they're supposed to do, and how they do them to the best of our knowledge. And most of our conversations during the day goes just like that, you know. So. People don't understand, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, but what I really want to know is how in the world do you come, how do you find your, your way to Tennessee? Because I know you, you came from New York. Yes, or, I did. Okay. Uh, and you talked a little bit about, about that on the last episode, but how do you end up in Tennessee and why CBD? What was the draw? How did you how did you start that? Well, it started with me as far as moving to Tennessee goes. Um, I came out of high school and I knew that I wanted to do film production as something to pursue for school. And um, Tennessee, there was a school called Nashville Film Institute that was kind of up my alley because it was just a nine month course. Um, I didn't have to worry about math, anything like that. I just went nine months, everything dedicated to film and everything that I wanted to learn um, in those nine months. So we, um, we came down here and we pretty much got down to task and I banged out the school. And then one day my dad comes up to me and he's, um, got an idea. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, basically, uh, we, we moved here with one intention, which was, uh, let's, let's, we had jobs at the time. I was a surveyor and, um, Ad was working at uh, Outback Steakhouse and both uh, offered us the opportunity to get transfers so that we can come here and, um, you know, support his his goal of getting through this round of school and then deciding at that point, because he's been going to film schools in various ways through high school as well, um, and kind of growing up involved in all the things we did with Twitch Twitch, that, you know, this was the path. So this was a chance to kind of lay a nice foundation. And uh, the school was really solid in terms of all the various aspects of filmmaking. And uh, I didn't really have anything left for myself in New York at that point. He was the only reason I was staying. So um, it really was like, you know what? If you, if you don't mind your dad coming along, I'd love to, to go. Because <laughs> <Why not? laughs> I'm ready for, uh, for a restart. So, you know, coming down here, 
I probably am, am repeating myself if anyone heard the last episode, but um, coming down here was, honestly, it was like storm clouds cleared and uh, life has just day by day over time. Uh, it's a lot better than it, it was. I mean, there's been some personal losses along the way, but if, as far as my myself and, and my son um, and our individual lives, they're in a better place than they were when we were in New York. And, um, you know, I... Uh, I mean, full disclosure, I smoked marijuana in my life in New York, and I enjoyed what I did. And I came to Tennessee, and I decided, you know what? I'm. I looked up the laws, and I said, you can't do that here. And I'm not a drinker per se. I'll enjoy an occasional or something like that, but I'm not. That's not my thing. I don't come home and crack open the beers. I, you know, I'm very much not that type of person. Mm-hmm. So, but I do enjoy at times smoking something. It made it relaxed me and just made me feel better. And so I gave cold turkey. I said, I'm not going to drive out of state and uh, buy something legally just to illegally drive it back here and, and risk, you know, I'm in my 50s. What am I doing? I'm not going right. to do that, you know? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not going to go and find some guy and, and make deals behind a supermarket. Again, I'm, I'm in my 50s. You know, I'm not going to buy something off of somebody. I mean, you get to a point when you cross the a certain age group, it's funny, it sounds like my dad, but everybody looks like a kid. And it's like, there's an uncomfortable, like, I don't want to do that. You know, yeah. I, not only do I not want to foster that, but I don't personally want to be involved in those type of transactions. So I went cold turkey. And then um, one day I uh, I heard a commercial for a THC cookie, a Delta A THC cookie. And this is when I was doing my surveying job. And I probably had to listen to this commercial a good six or seven times till finally the brick hit me in the head. And I said, I should go and see what this is about. And how could this even be advertised on the radio? Mm. And this was, um, this was a conservative radio show as well. I'm listening to him. Like, how could this be? Was it on 99.7? Yes, it was. I think I've heard that same commercial before. And you probably have. And, uh, the host is, uh, no longer with us. Unfortunately, unfortunately not. I don't um, know exactly a, what you're talking about. A great about. person. So fantastic host. Um, Long story short is I decided to take a trip uh, an hour or so out of my way, and I went to the store, and I walked in, and I said, you know, I'd like to understand. I heard this commercial for this THC cookie, and this guy looks at me, and he smiled, and he said, let me tell you all about Delta ATHC. <laughs> and so he opened my eyes to um, to something that was legal here, and I thought, what the heck? I'll try one of these cookies. And then he showed me what flour was, and I had a lot of questions because – you know, when you live in a, in a, in a society where, or anywhere where, uh, something you're told is in, in a sense, you could only get that if it's done illegally, let's put it that way. Let's mm-hmm. break it down to just right. base logic for a lot of people that kind of walk through the door in a sense. And the, there's almost this mindset. It comes across like this can't possibly be real because it's legal, you know? And in fact, people say, I smoke the real you know, so I was uneducated because that's what that is. That that's a lack of education in what the cannabis plant actually is. So, uh, which I which I, I humbly admit now that I didn't really understand it. And uh, so I, I I you know I purchased some of this flour and I went home and I, you know I, I I did what every human being does, which is overindulge the first time on something new. And uh, you know of course. Um, I, I ended up uh, eating too much of the cookie and smoking too much of the flour at one time. <laughs> and I had a blast, <laughs> let me tell you, uh, in that a lot of the feelings I had were, were similar until, you know, obviously I overdid it. So I, I got like a nice 12-hour sleep out of that in, the, in my clothes. Oh, boy. <laughs> but, you <laughs> know, the, the long story short of that is I came away from that experience with an understanding that, okay, this is real. This is something that can can 
satisfy a part of me. And it's really up to me to now be responsible to find the dosage, you know, the amount uh, that works for me. And, uh, and so that's what I did. And I, I began to find that, A, I'm not an edibles person, but mm. it was the way I thought I could, I can get that. And I be, but I'm also a researcher. And so, um, I decided one day to, you know, basically Google CBD stores near me instead of driving an hour and a half out of my way for a chocolate chip cookie. And, uh, lo and behold, it, you know, Google maps lights up like a Christmas tree. And what's oh, very they, funny about everywhere. the human brain is that when you don't know about something or never think about something, it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. But when you, you know, know about it, it's suddenly everywhere, it's right? Everywhere, so yeah. it's like, um, like this cosmic awareness from uh, Repo Man, you know, it was something like, you know, plate of shrimp, think about a plate of shrimp. And next thing you know, you may see a plate of shrimp. It's kind of mm. like that, but it's, so suddenly they were everywhere, you know, these stores. So I decided to go in and I decided to ask more questions. And that process was very frustrating. And you're asking how we led to the store. So this process is, we're getting there and it's going to build. So the process was frustrating because I'd go into the stores and the guy behind the counter or, or the gal behind the counter was somebody like, like, I'd be like, wait a minute, it, I just saw you after 12 period, you know, we're in 12th grade again. Like, it just feels like this is somebody very yeah. young. Uh, their head is in their phone. They don't really know what is in these counters. They're they, a machine just making sales. They're just, they're expecting me to know what I want. Um, half of them look like they're enjoying it at the moment beyond what's in the counter. And I just felt like, <laughs> you know what, this doesn't feel comfortable and right. I, I'm still trying to learn. And, uh, I ended up at a store and I, I, I was kind of like, I walked in, it was a different environment. First off, there wasn't, you know, pipes and glass and smoking accessories everywhere. Mm -hmm. It was just a little bit cleaner than that. And it was more like counters with the product in them and people there to answer the questions. And so I began to ask the questions predominantly about flour because that was the thing I was into and uh, CBD flour. And um, long story short is I end up, uh, purchasing a particular flower that I just found, wow, this is really for me. I really enjoy this. And I started to purchase a lot of it. And uh, it was kind of like my Friday thing. So one Friday afternoon, um, I made a purchase and I'm happening to make my phone calls to set up the next day, my appointments for my stops for my survey work. And I, I happened to be parked across from the store, but facing it. And I said, you know what? It's like 4.30. I'm, I'm not going to deal with the rush hour traffic. I'm going to make my calls, have some dinner, and then I'll drive home. Mm -hmm. So I'm making my calls and lo and behold, I'm watching one by one as we're getting closer to five o'clock. Boom. Five, by five o'clock, it was like a train going right to the same counter. And I said, they're all buying what I just bought. And that sort of like got the wheels turning that maybe there is a business here because other than this one store and I had been to many, I had kind of gotten an unsatisfactory, mm, I don't want to say customer service because they're not bad at customer service, but it, like an unsatisfactory shopping experience due to the lack of education yep. or the, the lack of... Um, just kind of like a presentation or professionalism. Right. You know, and, and so for that reason, I began to think that there was something there. And eventually I brought it to my son and um, he, he uh, needed to try a few things to, to see what I was talking about. And the light went on and, you know, you know, God bless, because because of that, I couldn't do it without him. So, mm. and you you said earlier that he came he came and said, "I have a business idea." Addison, 
what, what was your first thoughts when he came and said, "Hey, let's do CBD"? Well, well, I'll tell you exactly how it happened because it wasn't as as is just it wasn't just a dialogue. So basically, during this time, you know, he prefaced it by 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 saying what he was talking about in in a CBD you know related uh, business venture, and around this time, like he said, I was working at Outback and and I had started to kind of get a feel for you know new social crowd moving from a new state, and um, I had been to a, a few parties so. When he's saying that he's going to, um, you know, have an idea for me, he needed to show me. And so basically that same flower that he was buying a lot of, I um, I understood why he was buying a lot of. Interesting. So, and I kind of, I caught up what you were talking about when you, you say you walk into the place and you're new at this and it doesn't quite feel welcoming. You don't really know, you know, what to choose, how right. to try something, Um I, I kind of understand that as far as going into a place and not really understanding things. Like mm-hmm. for me, it would be like, I don't know, a it's radio in, shop when I was a kid. Yeah, it's, it's like, intimidating. Yeah, you walk in and they're, they're all there expecting you to know exactly what you need, exactly mm-hmm. what you want. And if you don't know, it's almost like you're looked down their nose. It's mm. like, well, hmm, or you, you don't know. you're led to the wrong product. Right. right. And, and I think what's confusing too is the, the last I read, there's 144 different cannabinoids so this is a this is a very complicated plant absolutely and if anybody does any research before they go to this place and they don't get more information on it they're absolutely going to be confused Mm -hmm. so that's kind of what i wanted to move into talking to now is you know break down just i know just skim the surface what is the difference you know what sets cbd let's talk about delta eight delta nine and sets the part because people are still out there like well i don't i don't want to go there i'm not a right right Right. so let's start with um Let's start with with uh, like philosophy of of the business because I think that's gonna you're gonna understand completely. And I want to touch on something you just said, which is um, people don't really understand and they don't know what they're buying and what if they get the wrong thing and mm-hmm. so on. So from from real experience, so we have hit uh, some sort of a vein with a uh, uh, an oncology clinic that has found out that we give proper information and we do our best to guide people to the right products, okay? And recently, I have had some seniors coming in after chemo and so on. Now, I lost my wife to cancer. I lost my father to cancer. So when these people come in, look, I can't help it. I'm an empathetic person. I really engage in this to try to make sure they're walking out the door with something that is going to help and not hurt. And part of our philosophy is really simple. Um, One, I mean, we can't stand behind the counter and hand somebody a product that, A, we haven't tried ourselves, know what the lab reports are, uh, have an abundance of anecdotal uh, evidence through stories of people who have tried it and so on. Um, It's just not ethical to to just hand somebody these products and and do it on a whim. So this one woman came in and she had said, um, she was elderly, and she said she had been told to, to come by. She had gone to some other store. I don't know the store, but uh, they, she was told to try gummies and somebody sold her gummies and she was afraid to leave the house oh after my. that experience. Oh really? She had never had THC in her body before and didn't know what to wow. expect and wasn't given any guidance. So long story short is, you know, that's an example of why you have to know what you're talking about. Okay, you have to. Otherwise, you're sending people out with something that's not good for them. Another another thing is you get folks who come in um, more on a recreational type of thing, and they're those are the folks who always say the same thing. It's like I want the strongest, mm-hmm. and the strongest may not be what's right for you. Let's say you enjoy 
playing the guitar and jamming out and yeah, mm-hmm. and you enjoy kicking back on the couch and just relaxing and watching a movie, right? Well, what if the strongest is going to make you relax and watch the movie and you say, I want the strongest and I hand that to you. You have this horrible experience because it's not what you expected. You wanted to the strongest and you got it right. by label and whatnot, but what you ended up was this experience completely opposite of what you walked in the door for. Well, it sounds to me like, you know, it's far more complex than just having one thing and it does this one thing. That's right? exactly it's right. It's not just it's going to depress me and I want to lay on the couch and eat potato chips. It's it's going to do a bunch of different things depending on the product that you get. Well, and I think the body composition, I think that's why, yeah, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't just walk into a store and say, give me this. You have to understand, you have to learn how the body is going to react to it, how you're going to exactly. react to it. So you shouldn't, I guess, start out at, at the highest level. And, and maybe that's the problem. And one of the things that really infuriates me I'm in a circle of people that vape and vape stores started uh, selling vape juice. And now everybody's advertising Delta eight. Mm. I don't think anybody in any of the the local vape stores that I've went to can even tell me anything about Delta eight, but they're selling, you know, vape juice with Delta eight in it. And I know a lot of people who have just bought it and have had bad reactions, halluc- uh, right. hallucinations, all, all the, the entire checklist of things that can go wrong with Delta eight because they're not being explained what it is, or just being sold it in high doses, and they're going home and vaping it, having no idea. Well, let's let's talk about a few things then. So, um, the first thing is, what is Delta Eight? So, <clears throat> if you smoked marijuana in your life, um, then you you. It's interesting because folks from legal states like out west, they don't know what Delta Nine THC is, and Delta Nine THC is the cannabinoid that's doing all the heavy lifting when you smoke marijuana to bring those euphoric effects as well as some medicinal benefits. And a lot of folks who smoke don't even know what that means. So they come through our door and you start talking about cannabinoids and we have to educate because the, in, when you're in a state like ours where things are regulated, that Delta 9 THC um, is, can only be up to 0.3% in its active form, whether, you know, in a product, um, you're not going to get those euphoric effects from that product. That's a full spectrum, basically, type of product, uh, broad spectrum being a CBD product that has no THC in it, Okay. Um, and both of those uh, have their their benefits. Mostly, we'll start with CBD uh, being very uh, good for folks with anxiety and you know various pain and so on. It seems like a lot of folks come in for that type of need. A lot of anxiety uh, people seem to really want just regular CBD, broad spectrum. Some want the full spectrum. The extra THC kind of adds a little elbow grease in the entourage effect, but for the body. Uh, but now we have the other side of the store, which is where the Delta 8 THC comes in and Delta 10 and HHC and THCP and, you know, the THCO. There's, there's so many now. And they've all, at least in, we've been open since July. So we opened it, it was Delta 8. And in that time, ad, in two months. I it, mean, you name it. They were, they were starting to come out with XYZ, like you said. And um, really the reason for that is, is there's no regulation in the state. So they go through the plant and they're going to take whatever they can out of it that's legal and will move the needle for people. Mm-hmm. And, and let's explain, too, for our listeners that, that are just completely lost, too. We're talking about the same plant, and there are different portions of the plant right. that all of these compounds come from. So right. we're not talking about somebody going out and finding five or six different plants and making things nope. out of it. This is all coming from the same plant. Yeah, so, so let, 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 me, let me just clarify the Delta-8 thing for him, if you don't mind. So we are talking about the same plant, and this was back to my lack of education in the beginning I mentioned. So it's the cannabis plant, and it's various strains, indica, sativa, and hybrid, bringing uplifting or, or you know, more body or in-between feelings. Um, however, 
this delta eight THC, okay, it's only in trace amounts in a given plant. So if you rolled something up and smoked something in your life and have marijuana, maybe there was there was some delta eight. It was so minute that it really didn't bring any effect. At least that's the education that I've found from this. Okay, however. When they take pounds, and I've been in, in a, uh, a, a factory where they, I saw hemp coming in on pallets. When they take pounds and pounds of this, okay, they can extract out enough Delta-8 to begin to put it into various products, whether that's infusing into flour, honey sticks, soda pop, chocolates, you name it, the gummies, the whole range, okay, uh, and make it quite tasty too and quite potent. But why do they do this? So it, they do it because in states like ours where nine is illegal to those type of levels, uh, eight at a, uh, a normal dosage size, uh, I guess about 10 to 20 or so milligrams, um, for most people, uh, brings a very nice and similar feelings and effects to its sister cannabinoid, Delta-9. It also brings some medicinal effects along with it. And it doesn't appear, at least what I've been told and, and read, to have the triggers for anxiety and paranoia that nine usually brings. However... The first time you do something and you've never experienced it before and if you go in too hard or whatever, look, let's face it, anybody can scare themselves, number one, into an anxiety attack. And number two, if you overdo anything, a la myself, probably falling asleep, you know, at the 45 degree angle before I hit the bed that first time, um, you know, you can you can have, you know, a potential bad reaction to just about anything. Um, but that is why it is popular here. And and those are the feelings and, and things that it brings. And the other cannabinoids are essentially, um, as Addison had said, other cannabinoids that have been basically brought out from the plant, comboed up in, in um, various um, products and deliver for a lot of folks, the similar experience to Delta 9 THC. That's why these products are out there. I mean, you're not going to hide what, what these things are doing. Uh, but the nice thing is, is that, as I mentioned earlier, um, when you understand the products, you can set them up and have the type of conversation that we like to have, which is, A, you know, hello, welcome in. Why are you here? Like, we want to discern, like, is, is it pain? Is it anxiety? Like, we want to know as, as quickly as we can, what brought you in the door? What are you trying to achieve here? And honestly, if it's the recreational side, we're not here to judge you. Like, we have the products to help you to get mm. to what you're trying to get to legally, but we need to understand that first. So that's the, that's the first thing we do. And then from there is we'll ask, how do you want to ingest it? Because interestingly enough, a lot of folks seem to think that Delta-8 must be this block on a wall that you just take a, a package and, I don't know, <laughs> just they say... Eat it like a biscuit or I, It's just strange because a lot of folks come in and say, do you have Delta-8? And we say, yes. Say, okay. Like, they're standing in front of all these Delta-8 products and they're just like, like well, which is mine? Like, they know they need <laughs> it, right? But they don't know how so, they're using hey, the, uh, so, so, you the know, delivery method. Right. So once somebody will tell us, oh, well, you know, I prefer to smoke something. I prefer to vape something. I prefer to have a capsule. I prefer whatever it is. We have done our due diligence in trying to essentially create a showroom that has um, top quality products uh, from solid brands and that will deliver the medicine to you in the in various ways. So if you particularly want a chocolate, guess what? We have chocolate. If you want a cereal bar, there's a cereal bar. And these things have been vetted cereal and bar, tested. Really? Oh yeah. Wow. Vetted, tested, you know, the whole thing so that we can kind of get somebody to a point where we can literally have a handful of products in front of you that should do the type of thing that you're looking for it to do. And if it doesn't, 
there's five more in the group that may do it or three more or two, depending on the category you're in. And that starts with the, the, the base CBD uh, straight on through to, you know, the, the kitchen sink products, which have like these new vapes that came in that have like four or five different cannabinoids in them. Hmm. So what we try to do is basically match up the, the, the customer with the right handful of products and then you choose what you like. I mean, we're not there to, you know, hard sell anybody. We're just trying to facilitate a matching game, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. I think that's the way it should be done if, if you're going to educate people, because I think that's the biggest problem is people aren't educated about it. Um, and, and a lot of times um, it's difficult to get that education if you've only seen one side. Uh, and I, I come from, a you know, back in the day, I come from from the different sides. So it was even confusing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we can't talk about, you know, what CBD or what any of these products can do. Right. Because, you know, we obviously you can't you can't make a medical claim, but I think we can talk from personal experience. I know a lot of people who have been helped and, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm of a different, uh, and I say that in my little community or my circle of friends, I'm, I'm in a completely different uh, ball game here because I have seen the effects that it has had on people and, you know, the medicinal effects, the calming effects. Mm-hmm. Um, so I look at it a completely different way. I think it's mostly, you know, it's 2022. I think the, the biggest the biggest downside right now is legislation. It's the legislators, I think, that that's the biggest holdup uh, for even just, you know, legalizing marijuana and, and moving on. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and an interesting thing about that is, you know, if we would not have had that regulation in the first place, would there be this development on how to get these other products out isolated so that they can be sold? Not as quickly, no. Not as quickly. Yeah, it's no. an interesting thought, though. And, you know, I come from a side where uh, you know, when I was younger, I really just kind of had uh, – political-based opinions on on marijuana and didn't really have any explanation for them. It wasn't really, uh, you know, it was just like, you know, keep it the way it is, man, whatever, you know, you shouldn't be doing anything like that anyway. Well, now that I've grown a little bit and realized and actually met people that have benefited from, uh, I know I actually have several um, adoptive family members now that mm-hmm. are, uh, they live in different states where marijuana is legal and they use it for that purpose, for medical purposes and, and for relief from some of the chronic conditions they have and, and seeing that in them and seeing how well it can help them has changed my mind a lot about how, uh, these things can be used and how beneficial they can be. And to see it refined in a way that you can put it in a state where it marijuana outright or, or specifically THC nine, uh, as mm-hmm. you or Delta nine, that mm-hmm. is right. Uh, that, ha- that can be, produced and sold in that state to benefit those people that don't have access to, you know, just straight marijuana, uh, is, is really helpful. And that's why I kind of appreciate all the science behind that has, has gone into it of refining these things. You well, know, and the sad things after all that science, though, I think the biggest challenge maybe not be the, the legislation, but pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. This is, this is not an opportunity for them to make a lot of money. I mean, no, this is a plant not. that I could go and get a license for in my acre backyard and grow. Probably one of the reasons it's still illegal and it's been been that way. For I think a while. it has a lot to do with lobbyists, but I'm, yeah. um, you know, I, and don't want to bring back that up. But um, you know, I, I lost my, lost my father to, to lung cancer, mm. and at the time, um, years ago, he didn't have access to to anything to help him. The, the The medicine he was on, I saw what it did to his body. I saw what it did to him. You mm. know, and and I I feel like he would probably still be here or would have been here longer with access to that. Mm. And, uh, and I've, I've been a big advocate for it, but there are people out there that, you know, this helps. And unfortunately they're made to feel like criminals mm-hmm. uh, if they don't have access to this. And mm. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell this story just because nobody knows me, but uh, it was probably one of the best moments I had with my dad. 
I said, Dad, you know, what would really help you is to smoke weed. Mm. And um, he's like, oh, no, son, I'm not going to do it. I'm not the kind of guy. I'm like, it's, it's not about that being mm-hmm. the kind of guy, Dad. You're going through something. And, um, and I'm like, look, I can't, can't help you get it. Because I don't, you know, I don't know anybody. I'm not going to do that. But you know, you know enough people. You you figure that part out, and you mm. get it, and you call me. And um, and it was really great. It was the first time in his life. He was 59. First time in his life he ever did it. And he called me up. He's like, son, you know, it's 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 hard to do because he had lung cancer. He said this, it's really helped. But I was sitting on my back porch, and all the neighbors' lights kept coming on, and I thought they were, <laughs> you know, spying on me. And it was oh, just, it man. was it was a really cool moment that I had with him. But mm. you know, after that, I thought ha- had him. And people like him had better access to medicine that helps. Um, and, and I know how expensive cancer medicines were. You know, this is this is not an expensive option. Um, it's just being played politically, mm. uh, and I think monetized through the, the pharmaceutical companies to not be a viable option. But there are so many people that this can help, and they need access to it. But more importantly, they need knowledgeable people to mm. provide them the right stuff. And I think right. that's the most important key. And you know, we're coming out of an opiate crisis right now. We're we're coming from a time where Doctors have overprescribed medications that end up hurting people really bad and getting them addicted to things. And so looking for alternative ways to um, relieve chronic conditions, chronic pains, um, is really advantageous for for the betterment of our society, in my opinion. Well, I can tell you from the front line, we daily have people who don't want to be on the things that their doctors are giving them. Yeah. And, and, And the sad thing was... and. I know there's several documentaries about um, the uh, the opiate crisis, and um, it was being pushed by companies who just wanted to make money, and, mm. and that's just how it was. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, and that's and is there anything wrong with that? Not really. But then when you started seeing all the negative effects that that would that those drugs were causing for people, mm-hmm. uh, they never really paired them back until Congress and and politics got involved. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, we're on we're starting to get on the other side of that, and they're being regulated a lot more instead of just being tossed about like candy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me is you know from what I've seen, these products they're not they're not an addiction kind of thing. It's it's simply. Uh, relieving and I'm not talking, I'm talking for personal, not talking from personal experience. I've never used any of these things, but um, it seems to me those people who do use them, they do it for a relieving property and they mm. don't have a negative, you know, if I don't do this, I'm going to have withdrawal. I'm not, I'm going to have, um, you know, life threatening mm. conditions. And, you know, is that true? Is that something that is, is correct? Do people get those sorts of, you know, I, I can't speak for everybody, uh, you know, <clears throat> and in my life, like I said, I, I decided I wasn't going to do it anymore at one point and didn't do it for a year and a half. I mean, it, it did, did it, did it suck in the beginning? Yeah. But was I like sick, like some sort of a, you know, uh, heroin withdrawal or something? No, it wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. It just, if anything, it was more like, man, that would have been nice right now. Right. You know, maybe it's almost be, like quitting be, a food that you really like. Yeah. You know, I think honestly, I had a harder time that when I uh, tried to quit sugar, that, oh, wow. that was that was more difficult. Yeah. That's highly addictive for sure. <laughs> no I mean, it absolutely is. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking from uh, two larger boys on the other side of the table here, Chris just looked around. Like, well, speak for yourself. <laughs> what table are you sitting at? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, me. Taking applications for if a only this was a video. <laughs> if only this was a video cast, that would have been a funny oh, clip gosh. to put in there. So. <laughs> yeah, we need, you know, and we need to make live. It, it, you know, it's a serious topic, but it, it's cool to talk about and have fun. Yeah. Um, and my, my family lives in Colorado, and mm. not too long ago I went to visit, and it was, just, it was a surreal experience. 
um, and I can't remember the name of the stores, what they were calling them, but it was like every other block, mm. you know, and like you said, it was a is line of, no, they, it was, it was another name for it. But it, like you said, there, there was a line of people like constantly every other block going in there. But later that night sitting on his back porch, I'm just everywhere. I'm like, wow. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm sitting outside. I'm not expecting it because that's what we don't, you know, see here every day. And I'm just, I keep smelling it and all the neighbors doing it. Of course I'm panicking. I'm like, Oh, you know, police is going to show up any minute now. And, <laughs> you know, helicopters. I'm like, wait a minute. No, this, this not. It's only, and, but what was interesting and, and to get to my point, um, he works for a large multinational corporation and, and they have, um, they have offices in Colorado. So my biggest interest to him, number one is what do you do when your company says that you can't, um, you can't smoke marijuana. You can't, uh, the, the specifics of how it written vary. So, mm. you know, I don't think any, any company policy I've ever seen specifically says, you know, Delta nine THC, but it says marijuana. Um, what do you do when those company policies say, you know, you can't have marijuana in your system, but you live in a state that's legal. And he said, that's the biggest challenge is that how does the, the company policy trump the local law? And they're having the biggest problem mm. with that over the fact that, you know, people may come to work and, you know, I've eaten a CBD brownie. He said, that's not the problem. He said, my, my workers are more productive. You know, their lives are happier. They're calmer. But how do we deal with the company who says they can't be that's in interesting. here? That's interesting. In that state, that's very interesting. Yeah. It kind of goes back to, you know, the difference between alcohol and, and these products and marijuana in general. Uh, you know, I've always, once I started figuring out my opinions and, and kind of how I wanted, uh, how I was able to understand these things. Um, I kind of settled on if I were to choose between alcohol and marijuana to ban, I'd ban alcohol all, all day. Mm. I mean, cause it's responsible for far more death and destruction mm. than, than marijuana ever has been. I mean, you know, I always use this, you know, it's a very stereotypical example, but you know, you, you, you have some alcohol, you might want to grab your keys and go drive or go do something stupid. You lose your decision-making you know, you smoke some marijuana, it's just as easy to go sit on the couch and and mm. uh, and eat potato chips. Like I said, very stereotypical. Me never smoking marijuana in my life. <laughs> Maybe you can give me a better representation. But, you know, it, it in that regard, Chris, it's almost like um, companies would – they would want to regulate that as if it was alcohol, but it's not the same thing, like you said. He said, my, my guys are more productive. They're, they're mm-hmm. behaving – they're doing things better with their job and – so what are they going to do? They're going to fire them and make them take a test, and if it comes back with THC or something in their system? Well, that's the interesting challenge, uh, and I know some people that work in law enforcement in Tennessee, and one of the issues is, um, you know, you can uh, – and there's a certain amount uh, – and, you know, correct me here if I'm wrong, but, you know, certain CBD oils have trace amounts of THC, uh, and I would assume there's probably no way to completely remove that. Well, that, that's a, that's a full-spectrum product. That's sure. going to be at 0.3%. So yeah. – but over time, that builds in the system. And one of the challenges oh, yeah. they're saying is that because they could go home – and, and, you know, put some CBD oil under their tongue. And over, you know, the period of a month, they're doing something completely legal. But now they're at work and they get into a vehicle accident and they go have to take a drug mm, test. Yeah. And, that, and that's caught. That's one yep. of the biggest issues, I think, um, well, that, right now in our state in this transition. Right. But that's why broad spectrum products are popular as well. Because we get every day folks who, you know, I don't want to have THC for various reasons in their life. And then you have broad spectrum products that can assist them with that. And those products come in edible form. They come in uh, vape form. They come in, you know, a lot of different ways to do that. And then, you know, just echoing on to something that you were talking about with with, uh, the medicinal and so on of of CBD, you know, getting into this business, I came from 
more of a smoker's perspective and even opening the store in the beginning, you know, I ordered a lot of that type of, of, of product in and it really was the, um, the market itself, our consumers uh, themselves that kind of guided me through their wants and needs to fill out and round out these cabinets, right? And these displays and lo and behold, our CBD straight CBD offering is, you know, everything from, you know, gummies and vapes to body creams, lotions, things for your skin, things for the pain underneath the skin, you know, and some of these things have no THC at all in them and they work fantastic. And I've tried them myself and so have others. So, you know, there's a whole other side of this business that, you know, I know most people are focused on the, when's it going to be, you know, that everybody can just do whatever. But I, I think that that's one side of the market. And then there's this whole other side that, I would hope doesn't get forgotten in that process. Well, that's also important, I think, for listeners to know is there are products out there that you don't have to worry about that with. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I know, you know, the other side of that that you may be talking about are the kids that like to, you know, buy a bag of weed and go smoke it and sit around Kumbaya. There's, there's certainly a market for that. And I think that's probably most of the people that are looking for that legislation to change. But again, because I think they're uneducated mm. about the other products that may be out there. Right. Um, it, you know, there's just such an interesting social stigma around um, marijuana, at least in this state. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's going to be, it, I, you know, honestly, it, people that I know that are not it, they're not more open to these ideas. You know, they'll see the shop pop up and then, oh, well, there goes the town. You know, it's like mm -hmm. the reality. It's nothing like that. And 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 you know, you talked about going to the different stores and you know, kind of experiencing. Well, there's. Everything's there, but there's a lack of education, a lack of mm -hmm. um, there's just someone there working the counter waiting for you to choose what you want. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to not only educate those people that are out there ready to buy stuff, they're interested in buying it, but, you know, the whole community in general needs to understand that uh, and this is not, you know, a, a dispensary. It's you know, not people a, aren't attracting in that here. crowd. Yeah. That they're not coming in here to go get high. It's it's people from all kinds of different uh, reasons. Mm -hmm. They're going to use these products. And, you know, like you said, you're, you've uh, gotten a good word from uh, the, uh, the cancer center uh, that you're working with, the oncology center. And uh, that's a, I mean, I, I believe that's an amazingly um, worthy cause for these products because, you know, I don't, I've never heard um, a negative thing from someone who has been stricken with cancer and they've tried this mm. stuff and it, and it really does, it really does help them. There's not really any medical claim to make about it. It's, mm -hmm. it's all, it, it just, what do you call it? By, uh, by ear, you know what I'm trying anecdotal? to say? Yeah. Anecdotal. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. And, and, and that's sometimes that's all you need to know. And mm -hmm. and uh, I've had a couple family members that have that have had cancer, and uh, I've had some that have tried that for relief. And like I said, it it does in fact work really well. Mm -hmm. And I think the stigma is slowly slipping back to the positive side because there are more and more people that are having their they've tried everything with whatever medical condition they've had. And they, and they have, you know what, I might as well go try this. It's mm -hmm. not going to hurt me. Mm -hmm. I might as well give it a try. And, you know, I don't really have anything else left mm. and they give it a try and it seems to help. You, and, you talked about that stigma too. And I want to ask you this. Um, 
because I think that's the first thing that somebody might think. There's a dispensary in our town, or there mm-hmm. you know shootouts and addicts in the parking lot daily. Um, until people really <laughs> you know understand this, but how did the community react? You know, what has been the the you're in a pretty progressive community. Um, you know, even though it is Tennessee, but how did the community react? And are you know were they supportive? Were the lawmakers supportive? I know you had we, to get we busy. we haven't had any issue whatsoever in a negative way from the community. You know. Knockwood. I mean, yeah. we're just there. We have a, a, a good, clean store. Uh, our store is very disarming for, for folks. They come in and they don't know what to expect because our front doors are tinted. It's more for people's privacy mm-hmm. and such. And because they're glass doors and we're on this main sort of road, when we were working on the place, we felt like we're in a fishbowl. So we decided to tint the front doors. So, um, you know, it's very funny watching somebody who's never been in before, even to say a senior, peek their head in. And then when they <laughs> like when they see what it really is in there, that it's like, you know, it, it's just like it feels like um, like a nice, comfortable living room and uh, there's cool and neat collectibles around and art and so on. It's like, oh, this is nice. There's like a throw rug on the floor. It's, you know, it's not what they expect. It's not what they expect. And, they, and, you know, it's bright. It's nothing, there's nothing to hide. It's full transparency. If they deal with us and they, and they uh, have questions, we keep a binder under the register. We pull out a binder with the lab reports on products. And I mean, we really take them through because we wanted to create a, um, a shopping experience that was unlike the others. And in fact, we had... Um, name was Cindy. Uh, she stopped in from the Tennessee Bureau of Agriculture one day um, because I had gone ahead and gotten a plant dealer license. And she stopped in to just check out the store. And we got into a conversation and, and if, taking her through it, I said, I'd love for you just to look around for a moment. And then I want you to close your eyes and just listen. She said, what do you mean? And I explained the vision of how this would become a full-blown dispensary if the state goes legal. Mm -hmm. And I said, this room would become this. And, you know, um, based on my background and the other things I do, I can be very descriptive. And so at the end of it, I told her my, my goal would be to one day invite you and your team here and show you something that could be quote unquote, the model dispensary for, for, uh, Tennessee. That's Mm -hmm. what we would like to create in time. So we start now with our collectibles and memorabilia to create a unique shopping experience. So this fun sort of funky type of place this uh side of the road travel destination on top oh wow look, look what they got in here uh but that will gradually morph over time to more online and the other two showrooms will become you know processing storage etc and a larger showroom for various products when when and if the state goes to that level and we're fortunate enough to be a part of it Sounds like you certainly got a plan. And I'm going to go back to, you said something about agriculture. Um, I just saw a news article that the state legislature is discussing um, changing the amount of acceptable levels uh, in some of the hemp plants that are Mm -hmm. grown here. And and a lot of the the growers are saying that that's going to put them out of business because their crops, you know, met a certain level and now they're being required to have less. So they're having to destroy crops. Are you feeling that effect or do you you know what's happening there? You know exactly what's happening. All right, tell (laughs) us. Educate our listeners. So, um, Basically, up up, in, up through last year, like you got to remember, we got involved in July of last year. But when we got involved, Tennessee was operating under the 2018 uh, Farm Bill, which which basically allowed, and this is what the part you're talking about. And this actually is going to lead to why people think this is two different things, and some people may get their heads exploded right now yeah, when this you. comes out I'm of my mouth because this is this is this is what it is. So, in our state, uh, in two th- from that from that Farm Bill. Uh, the plant was tested 15 days before harvest, um, and at that point, it had to be 
under 0.3% Delta 9 THC. If it was over uh, 0.3, to my knowledge, the the, uh, farm then had to destroy that crop. Why did they have to destroy this cannabis plant? Because over 0.3, you call it marijuana. Oh, Under point three, it's called hemp, yeah. and suddenly it can be retailed out to stores like mine. It's the exact same plant; it's just different about exactly. how it develops. Exactly, that's been oh. the biggest frustration. I've got. I've not even. I never yeah. knew that. I thought there was two different things. So. That, and so did I. And that's part yeah. of that. You know, getting into the business and understanding, and it's like, like, wow, this really mm. is the same thing. But there's so many people who come through the door who have this predisposed thought process that this can't possibly be. The real, because a, it's legal. <laughs> yeah, right, you know. Right. Uh, but the bottom line is, is that um, delta nine THC in its active form had to be under 03 percent. So now this year in January, uh, what happened was Tennessee moved to the USDA final rule on hemp. Okay, and so what that is now is uh, essentially for legality, and this is why it's it's tough on the farmers. Is now they're looking at the uh, the uh, combined total of uh, Delta 9 THC active and Delta 9 THCA, okay, combined together, have to be under 0.3. And I think they can get up to 1% until it's really a serious infraction. There's a little fudge room there, I believe. Mm. But it's the same thing. That would be called marijuana, and you have to destroy this, or if it's under, it can be sold. But why? And and they also move the uh, the lab date back, so the lab now happens thirty days before harvest. Okay, so this is very interesting. Um, so what is delta nine THCA? So first off, uh, it's it's an acid molecule that's basically on uh, the delta nine cannabinoid, and so there's also CBGA and CBDA. So uh, what is this acid molecule? Well, you can't have these cannabinoids without their precursors. So you can't have Delta 9 THC without THCA. You can't, you know, so this is how it works. So how do you get that? Well, a process called decarboxylation takes place. Okay, and basically the the acid molecule will will convert or fall off at at an 87% rate back uh, to its parent cannabinoid. So in the case of Delta 9 THC, um, the plant uh, up through 2021 could have its legal limit 0.3 on the lab there it is it's legal to sell okay but it could be very high in the precursor delta 9 thca so what does that mean for a consumer and why is that a frustration for law enforcement okay it's a frustration because um a when decarb takes place which is basically a heat source hitting that plant it's going to convert okay and that gives the consumer a legal absolutely legal lab tested uh, product that they can consume that is going to bring them very reminiscent feelings of actually smoking in a state where that's legal. Right. Okay? Because you're, you're, you're doing it yourself in a sense, creating, the you're, other, you're doing it yeah. yourself in a sense when you heat it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it, it's frustrating. I would imagine for law enforcement who let's say they really want to, you know, get in on something with, uh, that I smell something in this car or whatever, but the reality is the dog can't tell the difference. The it looks the same, it smells the same. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I, I suggest to people all the time when you buy flour in any store, not just ours, any sort of a flour product, you should always have your receipt with you and mm-hmm. don't open the product. We put a, a heat seal on this for a reason. Mm-hmm. Don't you know? Don't don't make yourself more of a problem in life than it needs to be. Just take the product home and, and use it legally. That's You purchase something legal, go use it legally. Don't don't put yourself into a place where it can be questioned, what did you put in yeah. there? Don't yeah. invite you know? trouble. Right, exactly. People have a hard time doing that these days, yeah. though. The interesting thing is, is you're in a really, 
a really peculiar, yes, peculiar, excuse me, situation when when you have that because, like you said, you know, the dog can't tell the difference. Mm-hmm. the The officer's not going to have the testing material to no. go and and sit there and say, "Oh, well, it's under point three percent," and da, 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 you know, that does not happen on the side of the road, absolutely. right? Exactly. And who and who says they're even going to look at the receipt and be like, "Well, right. you know, well, this you is know, real. It, if it's sealed, yeah, yeah, that that makes it. But if they've opened it up, exactly, yeah, exactly. And that and that would lead anyone to think, look, it just use common sense. If if I if I was an officer and I smelled something really you know funky on the side of the road and whatever, and I open up the door. And, and Jeff Spicoli sitting there and whatnot, and, and it could be straight CBD, mm-hmm. but if that bag is opened, how do I know that he's not driving around with a bag that has a proper label and whatever and a receipt if the bag was open? Yep. So like a lot of these companies, you know, we heat seal and, and, and so on and so forth so that those sort of things shouldn't be happening. And honestly, um, I mean, not that uh, every stop goes right, but if somebody has has a legal product or ways to at least show it, I would I would hope that you know, there could be a, a conversation on the side of the sure. road rather than jump into a conclusion. And it depends on, you know, I'm sure officer by mm-hmm. officer, but. And you know. fortunately, 99.999% of the officers that I know are not interested in weed stops. Mm. There, there are a lot of other crimes happening right now. That um, kind of goes back to what I said earlier. You know, it's, it's not a threat. You know, it's not that big of a threat as, mm. you know, a drunk driver or something exactly. like that. Exactly. You know? And I've always laughed. You mentioned earlier the, you know, we're talking the difference in what, 0.1% of, of calling it hemp or yeah, calling it's it marijuana. Amazing. I had a friend that bought a, a hemp backpack and I, I, I was joking. I'm like, I like your, I like your marijuana backpack. No, it's, it's not marijuana. It's, it's <laughs> right. hemp. I'm like, but it, it's the same thing. He got rid of the back. He's like, I can't have a marijuana backpack. I'm like, but people really don't understand the difference right. of, of where this comes from. Well, so, it's never been explained. That's it's, right. It's just not out there. That information's not there. Right. So now with this change for 22, why the farmers are, are, are I guess some, some are, are struggling uh, or, or fearful is because, you know, to make the plan comply now, you have to get both of these numbers combined to, to be under this 0.3%, which, look, I'm not a grower. I, I don't claim to be, uh, but I do know growers, and and that's where we get some fantastic flour from. For the time that we've been here, we've gotten some fantastic THCA flour. Uh, but that's that being said, some of them have taken the approach of, well, you know, uh, we're going to kind of hold all, everything that we've got and dole it out in pre rolls or whatever, or we're, you know, it's it's liquid, you know, it's literally gold now. So you, you know, your price for wholesale has gone up to just about five dollars under, mm. under you know, it doesn't make sense. Um, and others have said, you know what, that extra fifteen days they just gave me, this is going to make me a better grower. That's what I was about to say. It it seemed like it would be more advantageous to have the extra 15 days there to let, because like you said, the plant's going to continue to grow mm-hmm. for 15 days. It may develop more of those things you want in it. Exactly. And if you have to test it 30 days before, you got plenty of time to grow it in a way that's going to benefit your product in the end. Right. Even though it's almost like it's a compromise, right? It's yes. a compromise between two parties. One of them wants to regulate it out of existence probably. Mm. And the other one wants to, to allow it to continue to grow and give more opportunities. Mm-hmm. So one side says, okay, fine, let's increase the requirement um, of, of uh, or inc- excuse me, include a different chemical mm. in this requirement because we know this will turn into the chemical we don't want. Uh, so, and the other side is, well, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll compromise on that. If you allow us to test it 30 or an extra 15 days beforehand. Right. And, it just goes back to the, you know, maybe the farmers are, um, some of them are disappointed and they're worried because they see that one number of, well, now it's all included. Mm. 
And it kind of overshadows the benefit of the second compromise where it's, well, you, you now have to test it 30 days instead of 15 days before. Right. What, what really frustrates me about that, though, is how much time and effort and energy that our lawmakers are putting into that type of bill where we're talking about 0.3% yeah. and, and destroying crops. And this is, this is an agriculture state when they could put the time and effort and energy into just eliminating that being an issue and, and repealing some of those laws. That's what's really frustrating. Well, well he, he, here's, um, here, here's, here's my, my perspective. So this uh, fact act that, um, is the one with the free all the plants, right? So this is this is one that would start regulation, and I honestly think it's a, it's a great idea. Um, number one, regulation would begin to weed out the companies that maybe are putting, you know, poor products out there. A perfect example: there's uh, there's a brand that that's out there that a lot of vape that a lot of people come in and ask for unknowing that that brand, you know, anybody could basically buy that artwork and fill a cart. And so, mm-hmm. you know, if you've got friends that have said, oh, I always buy the same thing, but man, this vape, you know, maybe they're buying something that is not really what it's supposed to be. It's, well, there was a, you know, there was an epidemic of people getting uh, popcorn lung mm-hmm. for a while. From from, Chinese vape juice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That was a few years back. But I guess what I'm saying is that that regulation would clear out, you know, those that are putting basically garbage into the product. And um, and uh, it would also uh, begin a, a taxing process. And I'm going to tie this into something else you just said about the 0.3 percent. So if you're going to if you're going to uh, start taxing and regulating, to me, that is like a big sign that says, guess what's coming, guys, because we have to get the financial and the legislative and so on infrastructure in place to do it. So I think that that's a positive. Okay. I see that as beginning to build the machine. Okay. Second is there was language that I saw in, um, I think it was on the Tennessee's website, um, in why they were going to the USDA final rule on hemp or somewhere in the final rule. But I know I saw a specific language that said literally to make the plant more predictable. Why would you ever want to make this plant more predictable unless you were creating a product to sell on a mass scale? Mm-hmm. That's how yeah. I see it. So, you know, these are just things that I glean from information that I read through. And uh, I, I don't fear, uh, oh, gosh, they're going to put a tax on it. You know what? 6%, I think, is what's proposed. Is that the end of the world? Not at all. You know, everybody knows both consumer and, and, and grower through the whole chain through and everybody in between that this is part of it. Well, guess what, guys? This is what it costs to have this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like 50% or whatever. Let's hope it doesn't ever get to something like that. But isn't that something – there's a wicked amount in one of the northern states where it's, it's, it's almost like they would force people to – I think it's California. It's almost it, – they're taxed so high. It's like the, the black market is outpacing – the, the legal market in that's, California that's of all danger, places, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you know? So, um, you know, things like this, uh, I think, are the beginnings of what a lot of people want because, let's face it, we get uh, folks all day like, when are they ever going to make this legal? And it's like, well, think about that question. You can't just one day say, hey, this is legal with nothing in place. What happens next? You know, that just becomes, you know, uh, like sort of New a York. crazy situation. Wild, New York. Wild West. Yeah. Well, yeah. we were in New York. It was always uh, illegal. We leave. It goes legal. I talked to a couple of friends back there when it first went legal. I said, this is insane. And they were smokers. Mm. Like people driving all over the place. It's just like, it's just, it, there's no structure whatsoever in place. There's a structure to alcohol. Mm-hmm. And there's a structure to other drugs for a good reason. Because mm-hmm. you don't want to end up with that kind of situation, like you said, that you found in New York. So. Right. Yeah. And 
and when I say repeal those laws, I certainly mean decriminalization more than mm-hmm. anything because it has to be regulated. And I, I'm on the fence about that because the more that the government regulates, the more they get their taxation. And, you know, it's probably not going to be spent the, the right way, right? Like our education lottery. But, um, mm, but there yeah, does need exactly. to be, like, like you said, there needs to be regulation. There needs to be a clear set guidance of uh, what the type of product can be. You've got to be, um, you know, has to be has to be pure, has to be healthy, has to be mm-hmm. for the public good. Um, but it doesn't need to be criminal. There are much bigger things to do than than worry about. That. And doesn't doesn't that go back to the uh, the drug classification thing where it was put in the same group as as um, you know hard drugs like um, yeah it was put on and, the schedule yeah and heroin and all kinds of stuff like that yeah. schedule A or something like that. I, I remember growing up it was all the advertising it's the gateway drug yeah, yeah. I remember you hearing know. that too mm-hmm. yeah. and. And yeah, that, that's insane to me because in look, like I said, looking back and having knowledge on this kind of thing, it's like, no, it, it, why is it in the same schedule as mm. something that literally makes your teeth fall out mm. and alters the structure of your face and makes your hair fall out? I'm like, no, it's crazy. It doesn't doesn't do any of that. I don't want to go down a, a completely other political discussion, but I, re, I watched this really cool documentary on the difference between cocaine and um, and um, heroin. Yeah, and it was it was really it went down this really cool rabbit hole. But it's essentially the same thing. It just depends on what part of town you live in. Is is what the oh. documentary. Um, it was showing, but um, anyway, um, what I'm curious about though, earlier we talked about Addison, you went to film school yeah. and now you are like all in the hemp business. So where are you still doing film? Are you doing films on hemp? You know, where are you, where are you now? What's going on? Well, really I used all the education that I got every single day and it, it might not show in the brig, uh, you know, grandiose films or anything like that. But I mean, um, you know, social media content and, um, just knowing the, uh, you know, using cinematography and, and framing when using, uh, you know, pictures, things like that. Um, on the side, I am actually working on editing a a short uh, horror film that um, I was actually a crew member on eight years ago. <laughs> and my dad's the lead actor in. And so, I mean, the, the project never made its way to um, someone's editing software. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it was sitting on a hard drive and the opportunity came along and... Um, it's sitting on my hard drive now, and it's and it's on the uh, the timeline, um, you know, in the Adobe Premiere timeline. On the timeline, um, yep. Aside from that, <laughs> we um, we recently did shoot a uh, the second episode of the Batman fan film series that my dad's also the uh, an actor for. He's um, Commissioner or Lieutenant Gordon. Yeah, he's still and, Lieutenant oh, yeah. when I'm playing him. But um, we uh, we actually shot one of the scenes in the basement of the store. Um, the basement and that, that building, the center point building that they have, in, uh, and the you know the building that the green trees is in, uh, is very old, and the basement itself was a very kind of eerie little mm-hmm. uh, setting for for such a scene, and so it worked out great. Um, so that that's what I've been doing, um, and of course the film festival. Um, there's always working on the film festival. Um, you know, film freeway is always open. Mm-hmm. Um, films for for this next festival we've already been watching. And making notes on so there's always something, and um, yeah, yeah. There's well, no, there's you gotta no, have a progression. You gotta have a way to fund, you know, your, your the thing you truly love. And you know, me and my me and my wife Chloe, we uh, we have done a little bit of amateur filmmaking, and uh, obviously to get that to get into that and to get the equipment you need, you gotta have some funding behind it. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you know, it's good that you you guys have found a business 
that you both enjoy and you both are able to participate in that can fund, you know, well, your that, first love. That, is, that was is, the initial know. strategy behind it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I thought this would be something that could give us both the opportunity to, um, to work together, um, not have to spend time outside of mm-hmm. the, the creative process and, and the things that we enjoy. And that's part of why we, we fill the store with the collectibles and memorabilia, because they're also things that we enjoy or I have from old collections and whatnot. And it's kind of like our, we joke, we say like, this is our living room and you're welcome to shop in it, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, if nobody's in the store, we're in our offices doing something related to film usually or mm-hmm. the festival, depending on the time of the year, or, you know, it's something related obviously to the store, but the days go pretty quick because there's always something to do when you have these these projects. That's good. So what I find most fascinating about it, and, and I think probably the coolest part of the story is that you guys are doing this together. And and we just uh, my husband and I adopted a 15 year old, and so I, I quickly became a parent. And the one thing that I think all the time is, you know, is he going to graduate? Is he going to you know move to the other side of the country and pursue his dreams? But how cool would that to be? Uh, involved in his life, like, you know, through a business venture or, or, you know, being able to see him that much. So I I think what it's cool that you guys have business together and have all these projects together. Well, I'm going to tell you, uh, 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 it wasn't always this way. Um, His mom and I started our divorce when he was three months old. So I only had Addison in my life for about 40% of the time up until his last day of high school when he decided to move in with me. So a lot of this is um, us catching up and taking it further. That's, that's awesome. how we look at it. It's yeah. awesome you can do that. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, don't take it for granted every day. Absolutely. It really yeah, is thanks. a blessing. Before we, yeah, you know, it is, but let's, um, let's let, let these guys talk about where their story is. So get the address, sure. the socials, whatever you think people can use to find you. Go for it, Ed. Well, um, like we had said earlier, uh, this center of, uh, sorry, Center Point Barbecue on the corner of Center Point and West Main Street, uh, 1208 West Main Street, Hendersonville, Tennessee. Green Trees Company. That's, That's right. That's with a Z. With also. a Z. Green Trees. I love it. Oh, yeah. There you go. We, um, we're very prevalent on Instagram. That's, our, that's probably our most dominant uh, social media. Um, we're also on Facebook as well. And um, just you could also just Google us. We have a pretty decent you know, Google business profile. You can see pictures, and we're updating that constantly. You know what the most important takeaway is? Go to the store, peek in, and then go in and ask questions. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm sure it's cool to look at the Instagram, but I think it's important for people to just go and, and have those questions answered. We're, we have uh, one more rabbit in the hat that we're going to be launching late spring. Um, <clears throat> for those who've ever been in our area and driven by the store, you've noticed a large mobile billboard truck outside. That's actually the old Long Island mobile billboards truck from my previous business. Well, Green Trees Company bought that truck, obviously. Um, but in, I'm going to say probably about two, three months, if all goes well, that truck is going to be out on the road servicing other businesses who are interested in local advertising day or night. So slick. Yep. Sweet. That's Mm -hmm. nice. Very cool. Well, thank you for tuning into this episode. I know it's, uh, it's been hopefully educational for our listeners. Uh, check out green trees, check out their socials, but go to the store, shoot us an email. If you have any questions, show topic ideas, I'm Chris at still And I'm Jess. Uh, with an E at stillloveyabro.com with a Y-A. Yep, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Absolutely.